chapter 2, verses 14 through 19, reads, Remind them of these things, and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hanameus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Please be seated. And let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning asking you to show us Christ from your holy, inspired, infallible word. Help us to see Jesus this morning more clearly. Lord, the more we encounter Jesus, the more the things in this world look like rubbish. The more we encounter Jesus, the more we are changed. The more we fix our eyes upon him, the more we grow in holiness and godliness. As your word says, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Oh God, would you help us to fix our eyes upon him? And as my brother quoted, Brother Peter quoted from your word, we can't live by bread alone, but by every single word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Would you please feed us through your word this morning? Would you please cause us to grow in our faith as a result of hearing your word this morning? We know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As the word is preached and proclaimed through me, Father, through a weak, broken, sinful man who's in need of a merciful and gracious God. As your word is proclaimed through this broken vessel, I pray that you would give life to the hearers. For those who don't know you, Father, I pray that you would open their eyes to see Jesus. For those who do know you, for your children, would you cause us, Father, to behold your glory in the Scriptures? Oh, Father, would you teach us the importance of sound doctrine? And would you also teach us the importance of avoiding doctrine that is not sound? I pray, Father, that we would run from false teaching like a plague and run to sound doctrine as the 
greatest treasure because in sound truth is where our Savior is found, who is the greatest treasure. So, Father, would you please speak to us now? I pray that the words of my mouth for the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, have your way, oh God, and bring change to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a story that has been told about a guy who was seeking guidance. So he was seeking guidance, and he decided to open up the Bible one day. So he opened up the Bible, and he randomly turned to whatever passage. He just opened up the Bible and randomly turned to a passage, and then closed his eyes, and then took his finger and pointed on the passage. And when his finger landed on the passage, and when he opened his eyes, he read, Judas went out and hanged himself. So he's like, nah, that, that can't be God's will for me. I'm seeking guidance, but that can't be God's will for me. So he decided to do the same thing. He flipped the Bible to a couple of other passages, closed his eyes again, and then put his finger on a passage. And then the next passage read this, go thou and do likewise. So he's like, this is, this is ridiculous. So he's like, I'm going to try it one more time. He flips the Bible again. And then he closes his eyes and he puts his finger down in another passage. And the next verse reads, What thou doest, do quickly. Now, this is a, a story that's not true. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. But I think this story does a good job illustrating how dangerous it is to use the Bible in a wrong way. This story does a good job illustrating how dangerous it is when we use the Bible improperly. Today, there are many abusing God's word, many people abusing God's word and using it for selfish gain. There's many people using God's word incorrectly to promote self and not to point people to God. The same was true in the Apostle Paul's day. That's why in, verse, uh, in these six verses, Paul exhorts his beloved son Timothy to avoid false teaching, to handle God's word with care. And he says these things because people's lives are at stake. People's souls are at stake. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 19, we see that there is a right and a wrong way to handle God's Word. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to handle the Word of God. In verses 14 through 16, we're going to look at the approved worker for the truth. In verses 17 and 18, we're going to look at the unapproved worker against the truth. And in verse 19, we're going to see God's firm foundation. Again, verses 14 through 16, the approved worker for the truth. 
verses 17 and 18, the unapproved worker against the truth. And then verse 19, we're going to look at God's firm foundation. So the approved worker for the truth. Verse 14 reads this. Remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Here it is, Paul exhorts Timothy in verse 14 by starting off saying, remind them of these things. So the question that must be asked is, what things is he talking about? What things is he talking about? Well, some scholars would say everything that's been said all the way up until this point is what he's talking about. Others would say, well, you should just look at chapter 2, and then you'll see the things that he's talking about. So if you just look at the beginning of chapter 2, Paul tells Timothy to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He then tells Timothy to entrust the faithful men the things that he has learned to pass on the gospel of Jesus Christ. He tells Timothy to share in suffering as a soldier of Jesus Christ. And that no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits because his aim is to please God who has enlisted him to be a soldier. He tells Timothy um, to work hard like a farmer. To work hard like a farmer. He goes on to tell Timothy, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Christ who rose from the dead. Remember him. Remember Jesus Christ. Keep focusing on this Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David. So Jesus rose from the dead, proven that he is God and he's the offspring of David. Came from this line of David, was born through the Virgin Mary. And Jesus is fully God and fully man. So he's like, remember, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, divine, the offspring of David, man, fully God and fully man, as preached in my gospel. And then he says, I was a criminal, bound in chains in prison for this message, but the gospel is not bound. The gospel continues to go forth and transform people's lives. The gospel continues to change and call people um, to God. And the reason for being is because you can't stop the message. Remember the last time I said in the sermon that you can chain the messenger, but you can't chain the message. Because the message of the gospel is unstoppable. You can't stop the message of the gospel. And Paul goes on to say that there's an elect. There's an elect that is going to come to God. And that's why he says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. But when he says in verse 14, remind them of these things, I believe he's specifically talking about verses 11 through 13, where it reads, the saying is trustworthy for 
If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So he's like, Timothy, remind them of these things. They need to be reminded. In the midst of false teaching, in the midst of heresy, in the midst of all of these things that are being preached, in the midst of apostasy, people walking away from Christ, remind them of these things, Timothy. They need to hear this over and over and over again. They need to hear sound truth over and over and over again because there's false teachers that are telling them something different over and over and over again. So keep preaching and proclaiming the truth. Remind them of these things and charge them before God. Before, say these things before God. Speak on the behalf of God. Charge them before God, not to quarrel about words. This could be translated not to have word wars. Remind them to not get caught up just in a bunch of conversations about doctrine that doesn't lead to transformation. Remind them to not get caught up in all of these conversations that just focuses on knowledge. Because as the word teaches, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. True knowledge should always lead to change. We pursue knowledge for transformation. We pursue Christ and his word so that we can know him. But he's like, man, just don't get together and quarrel about words, which does no good, doesn't do any good. It just ruins the hearers. It just ruins people. When you're just talking about a bunch of things that are necessarily focused upon the main person who is Jesus. I mean, how many of us have ran into people who have talked a lot about religion but he didn't talk a lot about Jesus. How many of us have witnessed to individuals who were against the gospel, who even used the Bible, but it was just a bunch of words. It wasn't true truth that led to transformation. That type of talking about words just ruins people. It just ruins the hearers. He goes on to say in verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. This could be translated, be diligent. Be diligent. Do your best. Do your best. He doesn't just say, try to show yourself approved. He's like, do your best, Timothy. Put your heart into this. Do your best. And he says to present yourself to God. He's like, man, just don't study, for this. don't study for the purpose of pleasing men or don't study to please people, 
But do your best, do your best, Timothy, to present yourself before God. Be in his word and study in such a way to where your aim is to please him. Study in such a way that when you proclaim, you want to proclaim truth because your aim is to please him. You have one audience, and that is God. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. As one approved, Timothy. As one who has done the hard work. A worker who has no need to be ashamed Rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly handling the word of truth. And this isn't just an exhortation to Timothy. This is an exhortation to all of us. ARC, brothers and sisters, we are called to do our best, to do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are called to labor and to study and to know God's word and to not be lazy, but to know God's word so we can first know Christ and then we can make him known. And he says that individual, that individual, they're not going to be ashamed, but the one who does not do his best to study God's word will not have an understanding of how to present God's word will not even have an understanding of how his word applies to our lives. So we have to be in God's word. Again, man can't live by bread alone, but by every single word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Just as a natural man needs natural food, the spirit man needs spiritual food. Must have it. We must have God's word, and we must study. Um, We must get to know the Lord through his word. I mean, just... Think of this. God has spoken. The God of the universe has spoken to human beings. And he's done it through his word. This is, this is incredible that the God of the universe that created absolutely everything, created you and me, mountains, put stars in the sky, This God has spoken to us. And I believe when we choose to not open God's word, what does that say? What does that say? Oh, may God convict us to see the beauty that is before us in knowing him through his word. Through his word. Now, the reason why we need to do our best to study is because the truth is, if we don't learn how to study God's word, then we're not going to know when false doctrine is being presented. This is why it says in Acts there were these Bereans, right? It says that they were noble men. It says that they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether or not even what the apostle Paul was saying was true. They wanted to say, all right, you're preaching. Is this lining up with what you're saying? And we need to be Bereans in the same way, just like uh, the people in, in Berea, in Acts. George Guthrie shares this story 
how he was driving one day and he saw this billboard. And on the billboard, it read this. All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. So you people driving by, if you didn't understand where that verse came from, you would say, well, well what's the problem with that? It's probably talking about bowing down and worshiping Jesus. This verse is from Matthew 4.9, where it's actually talking about, in context, bowing down and worshiping Satan. If you read verse 10, it then says, Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So here it is, they had on this billboard these words, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me, not even knowing in context that meant that the passage was talking about worshiping Satan. And this is why it's important for us to study the show ourselves approve, to know how to interpret Scripture in context. This is why it's important to read passages before the verse and passages after the verse to see what that verse is saying in context. And that takes work. That takes work. So I just wanted to say, if, if you um, have a deep desire to know God's Word more and you don't have a study Bible, I would recommend a study Bible. Um, the John MacArthur Study Bible is a great study Bible. The ESV Study Bible is another wonderful resource. Um, the Life Application Study Bible is another wonderful resource. Um, I would also say, uh, if you don't have a Bible, if you're here and you don't have a Bible that you understand, make sure you read a Bible that you understand. The ESV, I think, is a great translation. The Christian Standard Version, I think, is a great translation. The NIV um, are great translations that are understandable. And I would say if you don't have a Bible that you can understand, get a Bible that you can understand because what good is it to read the Bible if you don't understand it? So I would also say if you want to dig deeper in, in God's Word, uh, there's a Simeon Trust workshop. It's called Charles Simeon Trust. Um, Google Charles Simeon Trust. And I think they do a wonderful job of teaching people the Bible. Um, they teach the Bible in its historical context, which is the backdrop of the book. They teach you how to uh, teach the Bible and understand the Bible in its cultural context, uh, meaning the values, attitudes, and patterns of behavior of a particular group of people. In its literary context, meaning the way the passage or the text fits and functions within its surrounding verses, its surrounding chapters, and in its theological context, the way a passage of the text fits into the story of the Bible. It basically makes us ask the question, what does this passage tell us about God, mankind, and the world? So it's, it's just very important that we learn these tools, and it takes time. Um, but it's worth it to know the God of the Bible and to understand God's Word. We ought to come asking questions of the text like, 
Who's the offer? Who's the offer? Who's the audience that this offer speaking to? What was going on at that time? When was this book written? Where's the location? Where's the setting? Why was this book written? Good study Bibles can really help with that. So I want to encourage you um, that if you don't have a study Bible or if you've never been to a Simeon Trust workshop, I want to encourage you um, to pursue that. Uh, Whether you've been in the faith for 15, 20, 30 years or whether you've been in the faith for three weeks, we, we all need to grow and we never stop growing. Um, so just want to encourage you. Amen. Amen. So Pastor Matt said he has a half a dozen ESV study Bibles. And if y'all just want to shoot him an email, um, he'll make sure that he gets it to you. Hallelujah. Um, one more plug. Uh, Mrs. Smucker does a Bible study every Thursday morning um, at her house. I'm on the book of Romans from 10 o'clock to 1130. And that's another way just to dig in God's word and to understand his word. So let's take advantage of all of the opportunities and resources that we have um, to be able to know and understand the Lord. Amen. 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 Um, In verse 16, he says, but avoid irreverent babble. Or foolishness, foolish talk, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. So he's like, this foolish talk, this irreverent babble, it will actually lead people into more and more ungodliness. It doesn't just lead people into ungodliness, but more and more ungodliness. It's interesting that even the Bible could be used to actually lead people into ungodliness if it's used in the wrong way. How many people do we know who have heard passages totally taken out of context? Or how many people have we heard who have uh, used what what the Bible says here in verse 16, irreverent babble or foolish talk that have led people into more and more ungodliness? He's like, man, avoid those individuals. And then he gives examples. He says, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hanameus and Philetus. He says, their talk, this foolish talk that's going on, it's going to spread like a gang green. He uses this graphic word, gang green. And if anyone knows what gang green is, it's, it's, it's disgusting what it does to the body. Gangrene happens when a lack of oxygen or blood flow causes tissue to die in some part of the body. Often, the hands or feet. It's a serious condition that can even result in amputation, meaning it can result in you having to even cut off a limb. I mean, this is how serious gangrene can get. It can lead to amputation of a limb or even death. You can die from gangrene. It needs urgent treatment to stop the spread. Or 
It may continue to spread or even take someone's life. Or not may, it will continue to spread. And someone may use their life, lose their life. Well, this is what Paul is saying when he says that, man, this, this false teaching, it's going to spread like gangrene if it's not stopped, if it's not exposed. And just as gangrene eats tissue and eats the body, false teaching eats at the body, eats at the body of Christ, eats at individuals, and it spreads, and it spreads rapidly if it's not called out, if it's not cut at the root. So he, he warns Timothy, and he says their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hamanaeus and Philetus. He didn't cause out these people publicly. I mean, what they were doing must have been some stuff for him to call them out publicly. And we see um, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20, if you could just turn there with me. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 20, we see that Hamanaeus was executed, um, excommunicated from the church. Excuse me. He was excommunicated from the church. Verse 20 reads, Among whom are Hamanaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So we see that Hamanaeus is, is excommunicated. But here it is, when we read verse 17, we see that Hamanaeus now has a sidekick. <laughs> Hamanaeus has someone he's now rolling with who's doing mischief with him and preaching false teaching with him. False teaching has a way of spreading and affecting people, has a way of spreading and leading people astray. And here it is now is Hamanaeus and Philetus are doing this false teaching. Verse 18 says, who, Hamanaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth. Who have swerved from the truth. They were, they were once walking in truth, but now they swerved from it. It's almost like having an arrow and a bow and the target's in front of you, but you're now shooting another direction. And the false truth that's coming out of your mouth, people are watching where that arrow's being shot, shot. that false truth, the, 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 the truth that's being heard, it, it, the false truth that's being heard, it's leading people astray. And it says that, man, this, this is spreading like gangrene. Among them is Hamanaeus and Philetus. They swerved from the truth. And this is what they're doing. He says, this is exactly how they have swerved from the truth. He says, they are saying that the resurrection has already happened. They're saying the resurrection has already happened. Now, there's a sense to where if you think of the resurrection of Christ, it would be true. But that's not what's implied here. They're saying that the resurrection has already happened, meaning um, the, the bodily resurrection of believers, where you know how the Bible teaches that um, if Christ has been raised, his children are going to be raised with him. Well, it's saying, man, they're saying this has already happened, and Paul's like, man, I got to call this out. This is false. This is false. Verse 19 
This is false teaching. Um, and basically, for them to say that it has is, it is already happened, they were basically saying that um, you really don't have a resurrection to look forward to. All of you who are here thinking that there's going to be a resurrection, you really don't have a resurrection to look forward to. And we know that's false. So if you look at passages like 1 Corinthians 15, um, Paul says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. It's like, man, if there's no resurrection from the dead, why am I even preaching? Why am I even proclaiming this gospel? Like, our faith is in vain if there's no resurrection from the dead. So Paul's like, man, I got to call this out. And being that he calls out names publicly shows that there's a place for calling out false teachers publicly that are leading people astray. There's a place for calling out Benny Hens that are leading people astray. There's a place for calling out Kenneth Copeland's that are leading people astray. There's a place for that. We see in the text he calls them out because they're leading people astray. And notice that droves follow false teachers. Look at the droves that come to them when they're talking about how God will make you rich in this life. And the gospel is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, but a prosperity gospel. When they're boasting consistently about miracles, but not seeing anything about how Jesus saves sinners from the wrath of God. There's a place for calling that out. And he says, Hamanes and Philetus, they've swerved. They turned from the truth saying that the resurrection has already happened. And it says this, they are upsetting the faith of some. This is what they're doing. This is what this false teaching is doing. It is upsetting the faith of some. That could be translated like this. They have caused some people to turn away from the faith. They are upsetting the faith of some. This is how serious false teaching is. False teaching is dangerous. I remember when a really good friend of mine shared with me a story that just left me a mess. And he said his parents, who are believers, was going to a church um, that taught that when you get sick, you don't need to go to the doctors. You just need to pray and you need to fast and believe wholeheartedly that God will heal you. And... Um, my boy's brother, my homeboy's brother, um, he got really sick. It was just an ear infection at first. And his parents could have easily went to the doctors and got some antibiotics. Um, but they, were, they believed what the pastor was telling them um, to, to pray um, and believe, and, and told, the pastor told them to believe that God will heal. And if you go to the doctor, that's going to show that you don't have faith. So they watched their child get sicker and sicker and sicker. 
And they went to the church, then started asking the people in the church to fast and pray as well. That The church started fasting and praying, standing on that God's going to heal them, um, heal him, and that they didn't need to go to the doctors. And the child got sicker and sicker, and it got to the point where they were just like, you know what, we need to just put our child inside of the car and take him to the hospital. And they put the child inside the car and started driving to the hospital, but their conscience would not allow them to go in because they felt like, well, if I do this, this is going to show that I don't have faith. And they actually drove around the hospital and decided to go back home. And then one day the father walked into the room and found his child dead. He died. False teaching ruins people. It destroys people. That, that couple, my friends, mom and dad, eventually ended up getting a divorce. Things just became so hard for them. Um, they wrestled with God, really was questioning their faith. It was 30 years before the father stepped into another church. They didn't trust the leadership of a church. They didn't want to hear anything that pastors had to say. And it was because of this false teaching that ruined them. By God's grace, the father is still a believer and he's attending church now. And so is the mother. But look at the damage that it did. The damage that it did. I remember speaking with a man one time who had... Um, a bottle of water, and I found out that he heard some television preacher tell him that if he bought this water, that it would heal his body. And he spent money to buy this water, which was probably tap water, put into some type of container. And he was told that if he took this water and drunk this water, his body would be healed. Um, eventually, this man really did put his trust and faith in Jesus Christ, but this theology that he was receiving messed him up so much that there was just some things that he couldn't let go of. When he had diabetes and was um, encouraged to go to the doctor, he would not go to the doctor. When his heart was bothering him, he was encouraged to go to the doctor, but he would not go to the doctor because he felt that in doing so, it would show a lack of faith. And eventually, this man had a heart attack and died. That man was my father. False teaching ruins people. The prosperity gospel ruins people. It is like gangrene that spreads and spreads and starts devouring flesh and even taking people's lives. He's like, Timothy, call this out, turn from this. Preach truth. Pass on this truth. Timothy, preach this word and don't deviate from it. We see in verse 19, God's firm foundation. God's firm foundation. Verse 19 reads, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. 
The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Even in the midst of false teaching, apostasy, all these heretical things that are being said through television and even at a lot of churches, God's firm foundation, which is the church, stands. Stands. God's church, the true church, is going to persevere to the end. Anacostia Living Church, uh, River Church is a living example of that. Praise God that a true church has been planted here in Anacostia. And there may, may be others that, that I know not of, but I just know this one for sure. That truth is being preached. That Jesus Christ is being lifted. That sin is being confronted. That people are being told to repent and to turn to Jesus. That the messages are about the cross. That the messages are about the mercy of God and not money. That the message is not about how you can become rich and wealthy, but how he who was rich became poor so that we could become rich in Christ. Praise God for that. God's word makes it very clear that this foundation stands. God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity, turn from evil. When we're transformed by the gospel, it doesn't just transform the inside of us, but it also starts transforming the outside of us. We turn from evil, turn from iniquity. God knows those who are his, and those who are his will persevere to the end because he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And even in the midst of apostasy and false teaching, the true gospel will continue to go forth and transform and change people. Not only will the gospel transform and change people, but it will even pull people out of churches who are true believers and bring Bring them into churches that are teaching sound truth. The gospel will pull people out of false churches, the true gospel, and put them in churches that are preaching sound truth. Many of us can testify even in this room how God has done that. How God has pulled us out of churches that were heretical and his grace and mercy and now we're hearing consistent truth. But may we not boast in that. May we realize it's only by the mercy of God. May we not look down on people who are hearing messages that, that are contrary to God's word and say, what's wrong with them? It's only by God's mercy that we are where we are now. And may we pray for brothers and sisters inside of prosperity churches who are believers, that they would come to know the full truth of God's word. May we not be proud, brothers and sisters, but may we be humble knowing that it's only by his grace. Paul said, by the grace of God go I. Only by his grace and mercy. The Lord knows those who are his. Paul said in Galatians 4, 9, but I know, but I'm sorry, but know that you have come to know God 
rather to be known by God. This known is not heard head knowledge. This known is not head knowledge. Um, it's a kind of known that, that is an intimate relationship. It's like a husband knowing a wife. That's what this known is talking about. Does God know you intimately like that? Do you have a relationship with God like that? An intimate relationship. Not just head knowledge, but a, a real relationship where God has really transformed and changed you. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity is what verse 19 says. Are you a slave to sin or are you a slave to righteousness? Do you follow Jesus and live as he lived among us? Do you strive for that by God's grace? Or do you follow your own ways, the ways of iniquity, the ways of evil? So just questions just to ask. This is not a do-good, pull-yourself-up-by-your-own-bootstraps message. A message where you try to work your way into heaven. But a message that says if you are a genuine believer, these two marks will mark your life. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of the Lord will depart from iniquity. Depart from evil. The only way you can have a relationship with God is by repenting and trusting in Jesus Christ and his perfect righteousness. In order to have a relationship with God, you must turn from your sin, repent of your sin, turn from iniquity, turn from evil, and put your faith in the perfect righteousness of Jesus who died for sinners like you and like me. And because of Jesus Christ, we can now be made righteous and given eternal life and saved from the wrath of God. But you must turn from your sin and put your trust in him. And he will save you. You might have heard a lot of preachers say they want your money, but I, I don't want your money. None of us in this room wants your money. We want you to have Christ. We want you to have Jesus. I'm sorry if you've heard preachers who have painted a false representation of what Christianity is. But true Christianity preaches the cross, Jesus Christ and him crucified, and how sinners could be made right with God through his son Christ. So if this is the first time that you have heard that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then I want to encourage you to come and to repent and to trust in this Jesus who can save you and who can transform you. This is the message we rejoice in at Anacostia River Church, that Christ saves sinners. So believers, ARC, brothers and sisters, avoid worthless controversies. Avoid foolish talk, which doesn't promote godliness, but actually leads to more and more ungodliness. 
and avoid false teaching. If you hear messages where, where Christ is not the center, where the spotlight is not shining on Jesus, if you hear a Christless message, a message that tells you otherwise, tells you that Jesus um, is just a prophet, tells you that, that, that uh, Jesus will just make you rich, that's, that's not the gospel. If you hear a message that talks about sin, repentance, how God is holy, how we're fallen, how we need to repent and trust in Jesus, embrace that. So run from false teaching. In unbelievers, the only way to be known by God is to repent of your sin and to trust in Jesus Christ alone. Alone. Let us pray. Father, just looking at this text, I am so thankful that in your mercy, you saved me. And that you love me so much that I was even saved in a prosperity church. And you pulled me out of that church and exposed me to more and more truth. How could I ever become arrogant and look down on individuals who may not know certain doctrines I know? How could any of us do that? It's only by your mercy that we know Jesus, and it's only by your mercy that we continue to know him. It's only by your mercy if we haven't swerved from the truth. It's only by your mercy that we continue to turn to Jesus. Oh God, help us to just have a consistent thankfulness for your grace and mercy displayed towards us. And the truth that we know, help us to share this truth, but with love, with compassion, with humility. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would pluck out your people out of false churches and put them in sound churches that preach Christ and him crucified. And we pray, Father, that you would just continue to help your people endure to the end in the midst of all of what's going on. Help us to endure to the end. And we know that we will because you said that you will bring our salvation to completion in Christ Jesus. So we thank you this morning. We praise you. And we just ask God um, that you would help us, help us to apply ourselves to God's word, um, to know you and to make you known. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.